Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Are you thinking about starting a podcast but don't know where to start? Let me take a second to tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need, all one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast across a plethora of listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the big ones. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, completely free. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, do yourself a favor and check out anchor.fm or download the app to get started. Hey everyone, if you're enjoying Increase of Our Reality, I'd really appreciate it if you could drop a review or a rating and I'll give you a shout out on the show. While you're at it, come join the Telegram group and follow the show on Instagram and across social media. If you'd like to support the show, check me out over on Patreon for early access to Inquiries of Our Reality and Big Dumb Inquiries which is the Swapcast show I co-host with Kyle Rainey of the Big Dumb Podcast. If you'd like to pick up some merch, come check out the merch store. If you want to help me out to upgrade my equipment and pump out even more awesome content for you guys, come donate over on Anchor or Kofi. And last but not least, if anyone is interested in being a guest on the show, sponsoring the show, has a topic they want covered, or you feel you have something to contribute to the show, send me an email at increaseofourrealitypodcast.outlook.com. All the links I mentioned are in the show description. Just tap or click the Linktree link to be directed. Thanks, everyone. I appreciate you, and I couldn't be doing this without you. Now enjoy the show. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality, one topic at a time. This is Inquiries of Our Reality with Shane Jones. everyone, and welcome to the now 31st episode of Inquiries of Our Reality. Today, I have two very special guests. I have Preston Dennett, who is a UFO researcher, and I have Dolly Safran, who is a conscious contactee. How's it going, guys? Hi. It's, it's going, going well. Good. <laughs> yeah, going good. Very happy to have both of you guys on the show. Um, I guess for the people who are listening who don't haven't heard of you guys before, if you guys would like to explain who you are, I'd really appreciate it. All right. I guess I will start. I am the fifth of six children. <laughs> I'll just start there and say that I got involved in this UFO field back in 1986 as a complete skeptic. When I found out my brother had seen a UFO, sister-in-law saw ETs face-to-face, friend had missing time, people at work were having dramatic encounters, uh, started picking up books, found out UFOs were real. There was a cover-up. It was very upsetting, but also very, very interesting. So I became started investigating, joined the Mutual UFO Network, started investigating cases firsthand, started writing articles. After about 10 years of research, I wrote my first book. I now am on book 29, which is about Dolly's uh, experiences. And yeah, I haven't looked back. It's been quite a ride. Well, yeah. So of course, uh, once you get going on stuff, it's like you scratch the surface and then you realize how deep it really goes. And then you can't <laughs> stop after that. <laughs> Yeah, there's layers and layers and rabbit holes and mirrors. And yeah, it's amazing. How about you, Dolly? Uh, do you want to tell the listeners about where you're from and who you are? Um, uh, born in Georgia, I've lived everywhere and done everything. Um, I love animals. I am an ecologist and a conservationist. I'm a zookeeper. I've worked for, I've done all kinds of stuff when I was in college, driving limos and hamburger joints. Um, I've, uh, Worked for the U.S. Department of the Treasury and for the Army DOD. So I'm also a nurse. So, so you have a long, uh, long history of different things you do. Like we were talking before the show about how you speak a bunch of different languages too. That's that's very interesting and a very hard thing to do. Yes. Yep. 
She was also a lifeguard. <laughs> yeah, I was when I was young. Yep. <laughs> Jack of all trades, a little bit of yep. everything. That's perfect. Right. That's how you learn. You know, you get to experience a bunch of different things and then you start connecting different dots because you've been able to do so many different things through life. I planned this to be my last ride on this planet. <laughs> I'm getting it all in before I go. That's my call. So I guess a good spot to start, uh, Preston, if you want to give people kind of an idea of what your newest book is, um, and then we can kind of hear the stories firsthand from Dolly if you'd like. Yes, well, it's called Symmetry, a true UFO adventure, because it is truly an adventure. Uh, Dolly's case is easily the most extensive I've ever researched. I can tell you I've talked to many hundreds of people who've had UFO experiences. And Dolly's story is really amazing. She is different from a lot of people I've talked to in that she has no fear of her encounters. And as she mentioned, she's a fully conscious contactee. She does not need hypnosis to remember her encounters. And uh, I just found her case really fascinating. She contacted me, actually. As it turns out, and this is really cool, uh, she was looking for a UFO researcher to tell her case and was talking to the ETs about this. She's you know, in constant contact with them. And she says, I'm having trouble. You know, I can't find someone. And they said, well, here's a guy. His name is Preston. <laughs> Last name, Dennett. We want you to talk to him. We think he might be a good fit. So I was actually referred to, or Dolly, the ETs referred Dolly to me. Yep. Um, so that is really crazy and cool. Sounds like you're making waves with them then. Like you might be onto something, of course. When you start <laughs> making waves, that's when they start noticing you, of course. Yeah, they know about me because I know years ago I was investigating this other lady. And I'm like, hmm, she's also had... A lot of fully conscious contact, very much like Dolly, but not quite that level. And a UFO came dropping down over my condo and said, you know, we're Wendy's ETs. Her case is real. We want you to research it, basically, is what they were saying. And, and started darting around for me like, this is real. This, we're her ETs. Believe her. It's amazing. So, yeah, they know about me for sure. Say so, uh, Dolly. I'd love to hear this story, uh, just at least from our, like a rough standpoint, so that the listeners can kind of get an idea of what you guys have been researching, what you've been experiencing your whole life. Okay. Uh, well, I'm a uh, generational contactee. My father was a contactee. I think my mother was, but she rejected it. Um, at about ten months of age, I was. Uh, we were living in an apartment building. We just got to Miami. We're on Biscayne Boulevard, right by the bay, and I was supposed to be napping and I saw my levelers light up, you know, with a big bright light and I was staring at it. And it, all of a sudden I started levitating up in my crib. This was traumatic in the extreme. Okay. And by the time I got to the top of the crib rail, I freaked and I flipped over. I tried to flip over and I did. And I was trying to go back down and my memory went at that point. It was so traumatic. I remember it in real time. I have never forgotten that moment in my life ever. Um, I, uh, as I moved along in my age, the first traumatic thing that happened to my family over me was, well, I've always been telekinetic. I can levitate. I've levitated a couple of times in front of my parents. Well, not in front of, but as a result, they found me where I shouldn't have been. Um, my mom was about, I don't know, in her third trimester of pregnancy. And I was supposed to be napping and the house was locked and I disappeared. She went in to check on me. I was totally gone. She could not find me, call my dad. He came home. They're looking, they're searching the neighborhood. They got all the neighbors going. They called the police. A couple hours later, the police called my mom and said, we're coming to get you. And they got her and they took her to a Utotem store on Miller Road in Miami, about six miles from her house. Um, I was on the countertop sitting there just freaking out. I was only in underwear because I was taking a nap, okay? My bare feet, the whole thing. Uh, they know that my, I couldn't have walked it because my feet were clean. Um, and all they could get out of me at that age was I want a balloon. I was promised a balloon. Where is it? Never got the balloon. My parents became hysterical. They changed all the locks, locked all the windows and got a, a, a retired police dog named Heidi. Uh, that didn't help them at all because me and Heidi started going after that. I've had snippets of memory of this my, most of my life until I got to 14. I, I don't have any cohesive, you know, long total consciousness going on. I just knew that something was happening. I needed to uh, uh, figure out what was wrong with me because my mother would deny it. My mom would say, you're dreaming, you're dreaming, you're dreaming. 
um, my dad was gone all the time. So I, you know, he wasn't talking to me about it either. Um, they ignored the fact that I could do things like, uh, I was telekinetic. I could make things jump off shelves. You know, I could read minds. It was creepy. Okay. Uh, creeped my mother out. Uh, when I was 14, I decided this is it. I'm either completely slap crazy or I, this is really happening to me. And it was really important to me to know. I, I became an obsession. I need to know. I need to know. So I'm out in the backyard, 14 years old, school night with my telescope because I took astronomy lessons at the Miami Dade Plan Transit Planetarium. Okay. My, so did my brother. And uh, out there working, it's one o'clock in the morning, and my dad goes, go to bed. You know, we always slept with the windows open and the glades. And I went in the house, packed my scope down, got my jeans on. And I'm not a real sleeper. I sleep two hours a day. That's it. And I was sitting by my bed, which was right by my back window. And I was looking up at the sky because Orion was up that night. I love that constellation. It's very cool. And uh, saw about 100 stars that hit me hard. These are not stars. They are moving. And uh, they started pairing off. And in my mind, that was, I exploded emotionally. It was like, this is it. This is it. You know, something's happening. Something's happening. I'm going to remember this. As they went in different directions, but two of them came down over our area. One went east toward Dead Lamal and Kendall Road in Kendall. And the other one came down over our property. Um, we had trees in the backyard and they were whipping around as this thing came down over our, our house. Mm -hmm. And there was no wind that night, though. It was a clear, beautiful night. And I'm like, Wow. And I see the craft and I'm looking at it. I'm going to memorize it. Okay. I'm literally drawing it in my mind. I'm going to memorize this thing. And then I get up to the ports and I realize that there are two beings in it and they're staring at me and they see me and all bets were off at that moment. I freaked out and I was like, yeah, turn, run. And I was going to dive under my bed. The room blast up in a huge, brilliant blue white light, froze me dead in my tracks and I was gone, my, no memory, nothing. I woke up hours later on my floor, not in my own jammies, inside up backwards, the whole thing. And I was funky, okay? Uh, it was school day and I thought, oh my God, you know? I was mad, I was upset, I started crying. I was like, this can't keep happening to me. I can't go through this, this is not good. I went took a bath, made me feel better, got clothes on. I could hear my mom in the kitchen cooking breakfast. And uh, I went in there and she's like, make coffee. So I made coffee and Paul Harvey was on the radio. And I sat down at the kitchen table and I, I said, mom, you know, this is a tentative situation with her. I'm either going to get a good response or I'm going to get a bad one from her. And I said, did y'all hear anything last night? Did you hear sea lights? You know, anything. And my mother said, what are you talking about? And I opened my mouth and said it. I said, mom, a UFO. She whirled on me and she was like, no, <laughs> that's it. No, and I was like, oh, God, she's not going to talk about this. I was so despondent. I got a cup of coffee first. This is my memory of my very first cup of coffee ever. OK, and I'm sitting there drinking it and I'm really despondent. I don't know how to broach it with her again. I'm thinking, how do I change her mind about talking about this is important. And the radio changed from Paul Harvey to the news. And the first thing out of that broadcaster's mouth was, Two Dadeland police officers saw a UFO last night and described the whole thing. And uh, at this time, my brain exploded. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, uh, my mother is like her back went straight. I mean, ramrod straight. And she turned around and looked at me and she said, out, out, get out of the kitchen now. I'm like, oh, my God. So I'm still excited, though. I'm getting more and more freaked out. And I walked out the door. Sorry. And uh, my dad was there. He was coming into the kitchen. And uh, he's like, just calm down, calm down, calm down. Go calm down. And uh, he said, go meditate. Um, I was a meditator. When I was younger, I found the Hare Krishna camp. that was near where we lived in the Glades. And they were teaching me all kinds of stuff. So I went in the bathroom. I turned out the light. I locked the door. And I sat on the floor. And I just how do I do this? You know, what do you do when you're trying to recall? And I started playing it over again. I started with going to bed, looking out the window. I, in my mind, I saw the lights, you know, and I was watching it come down. I was replaying the whole thing. And I'm telling myself at the same time, I'm going to remember, I'm going to remember, I'm going to remember. And when I got to where the light blew up, I, it started flashing on me at that point. 
I saw what was happening. Okay. And uh, pretty much what I saw was in the light, a huge energy ribbon came down into my room. And I saw the two beings come down the ribbon. One of them walked up to me, took me by the hand. He put his hand around my waist and turned me and walked me toward the ribbon. Um, I still couldn't, I had no movement of my own. He was directing me. He picked my hand up on, laid it on the ribbon and poof, we went up straight up together on that ribbon. It was like being transformed, okay? Uh, like interdimensional, I don't know. I was just weightless. Uh, we went through the roof. <laughs> we went through the tree. <laughs> we went up to this craft and it had a, a door opening, okay? And it, it, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, we're going in. <laughs> and he pushed me through the door. And I slammed down to the ground. When I lost the ribbon, I, I waded up again and hit the floor. I was sitting on my keister and I feel this presence next to me. And I turn and look and there's this woman sitting there. And all of a sudden, oh, my God, I knew exactly who she was. Uh, this is an entity, a, a gray, tall gray, who I've known my whole life. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I call her mama. She takes care of me. She's my, the only word for it is liaison, okay? Uh, she coordinates me and does everything that I need to have done, you know, puts me in the right place at the right time. And she's like, hi, you remember me? This is good. You know, she said, welcome. And I'm like, the, the, all the emotions, everything, all the weirdness of the situation, my stomach erupted and I puked all over myself. I was wearing jammies and I lifted, you know, I had two piece and I lifted it up and puked right into the, the shirt part. I was like, you don't let that stuff go everywhere. Okay. I knew better than that. And I was sitting there with hot throw up in my lap and they're like, at me, says, you know, hang on a second. And they got a gray to come and they helped me go to be decontaminated. They got the clothes off me, cleaned me up, gave me a smock to wear, you know, and brought me back and sat next to her. And um, she's let me calm down. I was shaking. Okay. The realization that all of a sudden, every memory you've ever had in your childhood come back, you know, and it's right there. You know, it's like, it's like I'm a whole person suddenly. Okay. And uh, I hear this voice start talking to me and I thought I was hearing it. What I didn't realize it was psychic speak. Okay. And uh, it was a male voice and he said, Hey, he said, how are you doing? And all of a sudden I realized who it was. Uh, I call him Talara. I nicknamed him because I can't pronounce his real name at all. It's long. And uh, his nickname is actually a part of his name. I just picked that one spot that I could say, and that's what I say. Um, and in that moment, I realized who Talada was. Talada is the fifth dimensional disembodied entity that runs that ship, okay? He indwells it, he runs the craft. All things on uh, ET craft are psychically run you know, and uh, it's important that that craft uh, be run by, you know, an intelligence that's smart enough to run it. And so Talada was that. All ET craft are run by entities that can indwell the crafts, all of them. Even the AI can be indwelt by an uh, entity, but they mostly are run on their own power. They, you know, they have a, a programming. They're, they're biological, though. It's a really weird uh, interesting construct for those small AI grays. Um, the grace, the two smaller grays took me by the hand and walked me through the whole entire craft, like reorienting me to it. Uh, so I, I would, I was so shaken that I wasn't, you know, how, uh, contactees will tell you, I come back feeling like this is a dream. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I was in a, I was in a waking dream state at that point, And I was trying to land on reality and you know be okay with it so they helped me connect to myself with that and um when i got back to the where the helm is to let us like okay we're gonna go for a ride now i knew what that meant i've been on rides i was remembering it he says sit in a seat i'm like what he says i'm gonna let you fly and now i know i can't run this ship because i'm not trained to run the ship okay he says, we have a device we're going to give you. It'll, it'll speak to me and we're going to go. And I, I'm going to override you when necessary. I'm like, okay. And he briefed me on what I was going to do and where I was going and how to think about where it was I was going. 
and we took off and we went into the solar system and we went to Saturn. <laughs> I was like, girl, wow. Uh, first thing you hit me was this is a damn big ass planet. Okay. Big. And the rings make it look even bigger. And it has lots and lots and lots of moons. Uh, first thing you pointed out is we were away from it away. So I could see the whole thing at once. Uh, one of the moons goes the wrong way, you know, which is amazing to me. It, it goes in opposition to all the, everything else that's whirling around this planet. And I'm like, oh, that is so cool. And he says, we're going to go through the rings. I'm going to show you what they're made of. I'm going to show you that we can traverse them in and out of them. And we're going to go close to the planet so you can see what this planet is, uh, how it exists, you know, what it's constructed of. I'm like, oh, wow. Um, first thing that hit me when we started getting close to it is the color colors are you don't see this on film here at all we can't we can't do anything justice in space nothing okay oh my god and uh it is huge it's it's huge it's like a gas giant okay mm -hmm. uh it does have uh different it's different than jupiter okay it's not it's big gas giant but it is a gas giant but it does have land in there okay and uh it whirls around also, and you can see storms on it as well. It's very, very cold. Um, when we got done doing that, he said, how are you feeling? And I said, I'm feeling good. I'm okay. He says, we're going to go somewhere else. So we took off again and we started heading out and he said, I'm driving now. Just sit back. Enjoy. I'm like, okay. And we went to the moon. And when we got to the moon, uh, we didn't do an a straight elliptical orbit what we did was if you do a spiral graph you know how it goes around like this mm -hmm. you know in a okay swirly pattern we yeah. did that we went around eight times we made eight revolutions of the moon and i got to see all kinds of stuff i got to see the back of the moon i had to see low topography i got to see some of their uh landing sites i got to see they do have a base i got to see the uh, i even got to see the limb from the moon landing okay that was Oh, yeah. That was righteous, okay? <laughs> uh, he said, okay, we're going to land. And we did what's called a soft landing. We didn't go down hard. We went really down slow. So we didn't kick up uh, the area around us because the moon is easily disturbed, you know, their surface. And we didn't want to make a mark. So we came down slow. It was very slow. I think it took us about 10 minutes, 15 minutes to make the landing. And then when we did, we were sitting there and I had a, we're up on the rim. Like if you're looking at the moon, we were on the rim that you can see. And I could see earth in the background. And it was in, it was in phase. In other words, you know, our moon has phases. Mm -hmm. Earth was in phase at that time. And that blew me away. I mean, I was just standing there staring. Oh my God. You know, your brain goes, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I was like, oh my God. And all I kept thinking was, oh my God, you know, and he started talking to me about my life. And they were bringing back my memory of growing up and being educated by them and uh, everything. I mean, they had to literally help me reconnect. They were psychically helping me walk through it. Uh, it was incredibly tremendous. And then he said, you're of an age now where uh, you need to start thinking about what you're going to do with your life. What do you want to do? And he said, uh, it's my hope that you want to work with us. And I was like, of course, why not? <laughs> okay. <laughs> what are you saying? And he, and he said, what do you think you'd like to do now? By this time, I'm already a student park ranger. I love animals. I've done every animal thing you could think of already. Um, I love oceanography. I wanted to be an oceanographer. I was taking ecology in uh, school. I was thinking about being a nurse. I was a candy striper back then as well. I was a busy kid. And I had all kinds of things that I was interested in. Um, but the first thing that came to my mind was I went to fly. And in my mind, when I said I was terrified because I didn't know if they would even let me fly, okay? Because it dawned on, I mean, I knew how they fly. And I thought, oh my God, can I do this? And I'm like thinking, yeah, yeah, I can do this. And I was trying to be convincing to him, you know? Mm -hmm. And he said, of course you can fly. Just that easy, Oof, you, of course you can fly. And I'm thinking, uh, they let me know how difficult I had ahead of me. It was gonna take a long time. It was going to take me doing some serious training. It was going to take me being extremely responsible, extremely serious about what was I was jumping into. This was no mean feat, okay? And I was just totally on board with it, totally.
I, I, I ate, slept and drank flying as a kid and I wanted to fly. So they, you know, they said, okay, well, we're going to go back now. And they took me back and they put me down. Uh, how I ended up on the floor is interesting. Uh, when I came back down the ribbon, he just let go of me, <laughs> boom. And I hit the floor and they had knocked me out. So I woke up in the crumble that I was on my floor. He didn't think he didn't want to. I think he heard something in the house or something and or a dog possibly. And they weren't going to mess with that. So they just left me there like that. I think it was also a clue to me that I had been taken. You know, I think that as the years have gone by and I've had a lot of time to think about it and talk to Talata, they were trying very hard for me to wake up too. this was a two way thing. I wanted it. They wanted it. And they were willing to do what it took to encourage me so that I did wake up, okay? And I managed to do it. Um, a, a lot of people who have these experiences do have memory problems. And uh, even if you want to remember, I think it's not always easy. There was one guy I interviewed who is now a conscious contactee. His name is Don from Utah. And at age 21, he had grays appear in his room. They were taking his little infant son. And he says, if, you know, I want to go with you. And he says, as soon as he saw this gray, like Dolly describes, all these memories came flooding back to him of his childhood and all these incidents that he had forgotten or explained away or couldn't quite fully understand. He said it was almost like a near-death experience. Uh, and it completely changed his life. And from that point on, he pretty much had conscious contact. So he was lucky. <laughs> a lot of people go all the way through adulthood and then have an experience which finally wakes them up. And even then, they still struggle with remembering. But Do if you knew Dolly, you would know how she's very tenacious. <laughs> she, and uh, she's the type of person who's like, if she wants to remember, she's going to. Yep. From your research, is there a specific reason uh, why people don't tend to remember these experiences? Or is it just because they're traumatic, so they try to repress them within their own mind? Yeah, I think for a lot of reasons. I mean, that's a very tricky question. Because uh, this is something that doesn't fit into your worldview. And so people have a tendency to automatically reject anything that doesn't you know, fit into what their belief system is, because it entails a complete reorganization of your thinking and your whole worldview. And it can be very scary for people. And when someone has a strong fear reaction, uh, they, on some level, don't want to remember this. <laughs> And the ETs will facilitate that and give you a screen memory. So you might be left with a memory of perhaps an animal looking through your window or a very vivid dream. I think there's a lot of reasons. Uh, sometimes ETs will say, basically suppress your memory for your own good because they don't want you to be traumatized. And they will say, you know, you will remember this over the next few weeks. That's what happened to John Hunter Gray, a very well-known contactee. That's what happened to Raymond Moody, very well-known early case. Or sometimes it can, people will go years and then there'll be a cue, a trigger, and that will bring the memory back. Uh, they're not taking people's memory away. They're just sort of putting it in a place, a little room there where you can access it when you're ready. Do you think there's a certain reason why they pick certain people? Oh yeah. First of all, it's a lot, lot more than people realize. It's not just a few, it's millions upon millions. One in 40 uh, is what JL and Hynek said and I later got a Roper poll found one in 50. So it's at least thereabouts. Uh, they do follow genetic lines. They're very interested in people who are psychic, people who have certain genetic propensities for psychic talent, good genes. I mean, they're basically upgrading our whole genetic structure for longevity, health. People who are very interested in helping humanity is another very common pattern of UFO contact. So I was looking at my files, I'm like, well, it's evenly divided between men and women. And it's not blood type like everyone's talking about, because there's all different ancestries. It's all over the world. I was having a real hard time figuring out who and why. Yeah, psychic abilities is one. They follow families generationally. And it's also your vocation. Because I kept running into doctors and social workers. 
like Betty Hill, she was a social worker, uh, environmentalists, animal rights activists, teachers, artists. They love, love, love musicians. Jimi Hendrix, John Lennon, Miley Cyrus, Demi Lovato. P people who are doing good work for humanity is definitely a pattern. It seems like they have a thing for people who are into preservation because it seems like a lot of these different jobs have to do with uh, having an understanding of society as it is today. 100%. Yeah, I was not at all surprised when Dolly started explaining all these incredible animal stories and that she was a zookeeper and a nurse. And, well, I mean, Dolly can tell you. Yeah. 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 I love animals. <laughs> I have an attraction to them. They, I can hear them think. And um, uh, I've always loved them anyway. I, I have an affinity for them. I have a real compulsion to be around animals. And uh, the way my life went, I just ended up being trained, USDA trained, ended up zookeeping and uh, it's just natural. It doesn't matter where I go. I always end up with animals that come to me for help, stuff like that. It's very strange, but I just love them so much. I know a lot about them as well. So, um, <laughs> uh, Jimi Hendrix. I saw Jimi Hendrix on board, by the way. Preston knows this. I was a young kid and uh, he was on board uh, a mothership and he was playing his guitar for everybody. And I sat there listening to him. It fascinated the hell out of me. And years and years later, Preston, you know, well, I knew before that, I, I guess it was in my 30s when I realized he was gone, dead. And it, I cried, it made my heart break. He was a really cool dude. So, yeah. Yeah, when Dolly, when Dolly told me that, I was like uh, amazed because I don't think she knew that Jimi Hendrix had gone public with several no, sightings and was in fact a contactee according to his bandmate, Brian Knight, McKnight, Knight. Uh, they had had a face-to-face -face encounter with ETs in upstate New York. So that would yeah. explain a lot of his understanding as far as his music goes, where uh, I feel like he had a lot of hidden things within his music. And he was part of that whole psychedelic phase, which I feel like also has a huge link to these extraterrestrial experiences. Yep. Yeah, he was definitely an awake kind of guy. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> so uh, how did the, where did you uh, get to the point where they told you to contact Preston? Oh, this was years and years later. This is about uh, almost six years now ago. Uh, it was uh, 2015. And um, I had decided a couple of years before that I was entertaining the idea of coming out. And because of everything that's going on, it meant a lot to me that people hear the truth. And uh, the grace were like, you got to think about this. This is a big deal. You're putting yourself in peril by doing so. You're... Um, you might not be greeted well by it. I mean, there's a lot you've got to think about through this. And uh, so when I did finally decide, um, I had time to do so and I started looking. I went out on the internet for the first time. Uh, I'm, I worked with them so much. I really never watched TV, did anything. I mean, I had no personal life. I was, other than raising my daughter and doing that, um, I had lots of time to, uh, when I, I had a kidney transplant then and uh, so I was sitting down on my butt and I was like okay I'm gonna look and I could not find anybody everybody I found just it wasn't that that way they were wrong it's just that they weren't receptive to hearing from somebody in a researcher real researching kind of way it's like oh they just want to know your immediate story and delving into your life or being told everything was not in their mind to do so and I was contacting real, what I thought were real researchers. Um, Talata uh, at that point said, look, there's, there's somebody I'm going to give you a name. You can go look for him. And I want you to watch this video on YouTube. He directed me to YouTube. And he told me his name, Preston Dennett. And I went and looked. And I found, I think I found his very first video ever. Um, I was going through the archives of the stuff. And I watched it. It was about healing. And everything that came out of his mouth was dead on, dead on. And then I realized that he was a real researcher, that he did his homework, that he backed up everything he was researching. And he had a, his mind is like a steel trap. Preston forgets nothing, you know? Uh, he doesn't think he has an eidetic memory. I argue about that, okay? He does, <laughs> unbelievable memory. And uh, so I sent him an email and I thought, oh, he'll never talk to me, okay? And he did within... I don't know, 24, 48 hours, I had an email back. Oh, sure, you know, give me a call, blah, blah, blah. You know, I emailed him back and we did a few emails and then I did call him 
And it just went from there. And it's taken from that time all the way to now for him to get my whole story. It was a lot going on. Oh, yeah. I still don't have her whole story. <laughs> I learn stuff every time she talks. It's amazing. I and mean, she's got a lifetime of these experiences. But yeah, as soon as I started really digging into her story, I'm like, mm, this lady is for real. I mean, she has corroborating witnesses. She's got medical evidence. She's got photographs and films like nobody's business. Uh, it is really astonishing to hear her talk because I had sort of built a picture, you know, put all the puzzle pieces together, but I had a lot of questions because there's, like I said, a lot of fear surrounding the subject. Mm -hmm. So talking about how, you know, people are being healed on board. I'm like, yes, <laughs> I have so many cases of this. And I have other cases of people being taken to Saturn. A little boy in West Virginia, Jay Gardner told me the same thing. A, a Navy medic, Evan Kamen, told me about being taken to the moon. People are talk, telling me about how they're sat in the seat. A guy named Ramon said, yeah, they, they wanted to put me in the seat and teach me how to fly the crap. He was too scared, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, she started to really say all these things. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is much more extensive a case than I even realized. She was somewhat you know, wary, I would say, to just dump it all on me. <laughs> Because it's a lot. I mean, she's seen different types of ETs. She's been to mother ships, to other planets. Uh, it's a big story. I was going to ask too, uh, what other types of ETs have you seen? And did they say where they came from? Or is it maybe that they're partly from the moon and from Saturn, like the two places that they've shown you? Um, most of them that I've met are from our galaxy, actually. Uh, the greys are from uh, Zeta Reticuli area. They also come from the Orion clusters. They're different ethnicities of greys and mm -hmm. um, they're spread out a little bit. Um, I've met uh, an, uh, the Anunnaki where those are really big dudes. They don't hang around here and they are winged. They really do honestly about have wings. They live in a less of a gravity environment than we have and they uh, fly easily in it. And uh, they, oh my God, they have cool wings. Um, I've met tall uh, white that you would call tall white or Nordics. Um, they're analytical, very scientific. Um, they're protective of their young and not real chatty. Uh, um, they're very uh, morally stern, okay? Um, I've met uh, beings that look like uh, raw. They're kind of bird-like, you know? Incredible, incredible physiology. They're large as well. Um, I've met animals, uh, not animals, I don't wanna call them animals. I'm thinking human right now. I've met beings who look like uh, uh, Horus. They, they look like dogs, but not like, they look like horses, Egyptians depicted them. Uh, they could speak, they could enunciate and their jawline is just a little bit different than a dog, but they got all those canines in there and the long face mm -hmm. and everything. Um, I didn't get to speak to them, but I walked by them on a mothership I was staying on and uh, they were just staring at me, you know, as I walked by and I was like, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> I just kept going. Um, I've seen a mantid once in my life. Um, I had to have a kidney transplant and I was recuperating. It was right after my surgery and uh, I was alone in the house and I had the door open. I was staying on a friend's farm and uh, it was blustery windy that day. I mean, galing winds, okay? And it was coming up under the door and I was watching it outside through the screen door. It was beautiful. And uh, I was looking out across a quad in a, in a tree line and there's this huge stump and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, what is that? Now I've got binocular vision. I can see very far away. And I realized what the hell is that? It's not a deer, what the hell is that? And I got up with my phone cause I was gonna zoom in on it. And back then I only had a flip phone. It was a Motorola, dinky stupid camera. But I went to the door and like, I'm trying to get a shot of this thing. And I took a few shots and uh, it stood up. And I was so oh, hell, it's eight feet tall. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's a mantis, okay? And uh, I didn't even think. I opened that door and I guess I dropped the phone and I went running out there barefoot and everything, trying to catch up to this thing, okay? Mm -hmm. It looked at me, it turned and it started walking away. Unbelievable strides on this thing. I could not keep up, keep up with it but it shot me a mental message. It said, we are the watchers, I watch over you. I was like, cool, 
just stop, stop, stop. You know, no, <laughs> no, he did not stop. He kept, he went. I was so despondent and I guess he didn't want me to hurt myself. I had just had surgery. Okay. I have a tendency to get, well, can you not tell? I get real emotional. Okay. <laughs> I freak out. It's like, oh, so I went back in the house and I sat there stewing, going through my camera, trying to, you know, see if I got really good shots. Um, I've seen, uh, uh, when I was younger, a teenager, I used to go out in the Everglades to uh, hammocks, hardwood hammocks. And a lot of the natives would bury their dead on them because they're not full of water, you know, and they stay above water all the time out in the Everglades. And uh, I was out there doing an excavation, you know, a couple of days and I was packing up my gear to go and I felt something over behind me and it was malevolent. Okay. I, I could tell it was not happy. And I thought it might be a bear, a, you know, Puma something, you know, Florida Panther, you know, mm -hmm. and I turn over my shoulder and I see this giant lizard guy. Preston had to correct me. You'll call them reptilians. And the other thing on his mind was lunch. And I'm not stupid. I'm trained to take care of myself. And all I thought was, whoop, that's it. I'm going boom. And I ran. And I ran into the water because my canoe was on the other hammock, you know, that was across from us. I had to swim through uh, sawgrass that'll eat you alive because, you know, it's like a saw. Okay. And I got my canoe, didn't even get in it. I just kept going. I just swam my butt out of there as fast as I could, terrified the whole time. Um, I didn't go back for a month. <laughs> I couldn't bring myself to do it. I was like, no, I'm not running in him again. No, 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 no. And, uh, but I never forgot it. Um, all these years later, I kind of have an opinion now. Uh, they are from Earth. They evolved here. And they were probably here during the dinosaur times and they just didn't die, you know. They're intelligent. I could read its mind. I heard it think, I'm hungry. And uh, my opinion now is after years and years and years that they're evolving. They're a high intelligence as we are. And... Um, that's what I think of them now, you know? See, my question that I always wonder too, is that I feel like a lot of religious books were written about these types of entities um, from a different perspective, because I didn't quite know what they were. Like I think the idea of angels comes from Anunnaki. Um, and I think that the idea of demons comes from the reptilians, especially if they're under the surface dwellers, that would kind of fit into the whole idea of there being like hell no, under the ground. I don't think it's the Anunnaki. I've also seen uh, light entities who are corporeal like we are, but they are all light. Um, they're um, from this dimension that we're in, maybe somewhere between the fourth and the fifth, actually. And they interact with us from time to time and they're around and you, you can see them. And they dead up, look like angels, dead up, look like angels. Uh, they That's have the energy flow all around them. Uh, I don't know. I don't pay attention to anything UFO, so you have to. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I, I know the Chris Bledsoe case. He was healed actually of Crohn's disease. Uh, I do think that there probably is a connection to some of religious history. I interviewed a lady in Maine uh, who was having contact with greys, and they told her who you thought was angels were us. And they told her we had been around for millennia. We've been upgrading your genetics. They gave her a lot of information. And I really looked deeply into the paranormal phenomena of all kinds, ghosts, near-death experiences, multiple personalities even, but including angels and demons. And uh, there is a large, I don't want to say large, but certainly a significant segment of a, particularly the religious population who feel like, you know, greys might be demonic. And I'm going to say, no, I do not believe that's the case. I think that there is a phenomena that we would call demonic, but this is a spiritual phenomenon involving what we would term negative spirits. And it follows a very set pattern. Uh, paranormal researchers know this, uh, but they're, they're not aliens. <laughs> they're not ETs. I think what we're dealing with are people from other planets. I think the evidence shows this very clearly. And it just boggles my mind when people start saying, well, you know, they're interdimensional entities. We're all interdimensional entities. They're time travelers from our future. I'm like, mm, no. The evidence does not support that. I mean, look at the landing trace cases. Look at the radar return cases. Look at the photographic cases. 
Look at the implant removal cases. Look at the accounts of whistleblowers talking about UFO crash retrievals. We know what this is. Certainly our government knows what it is, despite their denials. These are people from other planets with insight, you know, with vehicles, metallic vehicles that have the technology to traverse star systems. I think that is what we are dealing with. That's my assessment. I can't prove it. I think Dolly knows it from personal experience. There's a difference between belief and knowledge. She knows. Mm. Uh, and I think a lot of people know. <laughs> uh, and uh, it just mm, irks me because this isn't really a mystery anymore. We should not call it a UFO mystery. UFOs are not unidentified. We know what they are. They're alien craft, ET craft. So considering that you said that they're here to alter our genetics, do you think that they were the ones that created us? Or do you think that they are just altering it's, genetics to make them better? Altering is not the right word. Uh, bolster, hold us up, bring us back into uh, what we're supposed to be. In other words, they're, they're strengthening your DNA. They're repairing it. Uh, that is exactly what they're doing. Uh, we're in a situation right now where for the last 80 years, our uh, poles have been excursioning. Our sun changed its poles and now our magnetosphere is down. And our magnetosphere is what protects us from full-on gamma radiation hitting us. It is a known fact that gamma radiation destroys all life. And it also derazes your DNA, it takes it apart. Uh, NASA even proved this with two uh, astronauts who were twins. One went up for a year, one stayed on the ground. They had identical DNA. And the next thing they know, when he came back, they did not have the same DNA anymore. The astronaut went into space, his DNA was completely falling apart. Um, it's taken him years to repair it. It does try to recoup itself. Your DNA does have a, 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 an engine, a program within itself that does repair itself. It's just taking him a, a long time. Yeah, hum humans are far older than 40,000 years. We are all across the galaxy. Many, many reports of humans. Real quick, Dolly, if I may. Yeah. There was this case in Florida involving a gentleman by the name of Jim who was contacted. And he had gotten over his fear. And he's like, oh, if you're going to contact me, heal my hernia. And they did. <laughs> and he said, why are, you, why are you contacting me? I want to know. And they said, well, we are interested in your genetic potential to live a long time. Uh, so they are sort of, as Dolly says, bolstering that. It turns out this gentleman, his grandfather is 106. So, and if you look at the fact that our longevity has just about doubled over the last couple of hundred years, might not be a coincidence. They're working with us to bring out the best of our genetics. Do you think there's a reason in particular why they're interested in doing that? Like, do you think it's something that may in the long run eventually benefit them also? Or do you think that they're just honestly interested in us? Uh, we are them and they are us. We're all the same. They're human as well as us. We have the same DNA as they do. We can actually breed back and forth with them. They are our progenitors. They are our parents. We were placed here by them. Yep, this is what many contactees have told me. In those same words, we are, uh, you know, the ETs will tell them that exact phrase. You are us, we are you. Uh, our connection to them is very close. And I think that's really what their motivation is. Just like we would pick up anyone who's falling down on the street, they are there for us. Uh, they care about us. There's an ET threat narrative being put forth. Do not believe it. <laughs> Uh, there's fear surrounding this subject, which is being deliberately in, saturated in the media. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, it is unfortunate because I bought into it when I got out involved in this field. And it took me some really deep research and clear thinking, you know, just putting my beliefs behind and looking at the actual evidence to realize, oh my gosh, I'm being lied to. There is a cover up. <laughs> this is not bad for us. This is good news. And I'm not going to say that every person who has contact is super happy about it because a lot of people do have a real strong fear reaction and they are just flat out traumatized. They don't like it. Uh, but if you don't have a strong fear reaction, you will see that this, they're healing you. They will take you on a tour of the craft. Like Dolly describes, I hear this all the time. The basic outline of an onboard experience is a physical exam possibly a healing, a slight uh, tour, depending. They take you to the engine room, they'll take you to the observation deck, they'll take you to the control room, and then they will give you messages, usually warnings, saying stuff like, 
stop messing around with nuclear power, stop polluting your planet, your, the warlike ways are going to destroy your society, greed and corruption. And then often there's a very strong spiritual aspect to this. And people will come away uh, with very enhanced spiritual abilities. I'm not sure that's the best word for it because they're natural human abilities. We all have the ability to do astral travel, healing, precognition. <laughs> I mean, I asked Dolly, have you ever levitated by chance? <laughs> because I had a bunch of cases because she was not offering this information freely, fearing I think that I might not uh, believe it, I guess. Uh, but she's like, well, yeah, actually I have. I'm like telekinesis, mm, yeah, had a few instances of those. This is something a lot of contactees report. And this is a natural human ability and this is a main ET agenda. Their agenda is to heal us, to stop us from destroying our planet and to wake us up to who we are and what we can do. Those are their agendas. So uh, if you're saying that we're them and they are us, uh, where do you think that the split happened? Do you think it was a matter of because we were on this planet, we adapted to live in this planet, and that's where you know thousands of years ago we may have split and kind of become who we are versus who they are? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're talking about eons of, of, of uh, homogenous differentiating. It's we were on Mars to begin with in our solar system. And uh, we're a little bit different there than we are here, as a matter of fact. And uh, when Mars got smashed by an incoming rogue planet and our Earth got hit pretty hard too, and it's got bulges and it wobbles and tilts, uh, they decided to bring us back here because it's in this solar system and uh, they wanted to keep us in, in the realm in which we were being brought up, okay? Uh, there's a certain amount of to be said about eth ethnicity and you becoming like the environment that you're used to living in. And so it, this also happens to us about every 12,000 years are on this planet. The earth goes crazy. The, the, the solar system, our sun has issues. Um, I don't know for a fact one way or the other if that was like that with the sun before. In my estimation, probably true. I think the sun was doing weird things, but this planet takes it harder than the other ones. And uh, so, yeah, we, we physically dimed out differently. They're space, they're space fearing folk. They live in electromagnetism. They, uh, they're constantly going back from planet to planet to planet. Uh, they lost all their hair because of electricity. When you fly, I'm constantly being bombarded with electromagnetic radiation and electricity. I mean, over the years, I've lost all my body hair. I really don't have any more left. And the hair on my head is thinning rapidly. I'm going to probably be bald. Um, you differentiate your, ge your genes, uh, synthesize themselves to the environment that you live in. So they live in that environment and we live in this one. That's why we look different. But if you open them up, they look just like us. We all got blood. We all have hearts. We all have lungs. We all have tongues and teeth and mouths. We all have genitalia. We eat, we sleep, we go to the bathroom. We're the same, period. And uh, just because they look differently doesn't make them not human. They are. Yeah. Even of our blood types. And in our ancient history, we were in contact with them. Native American cultures, indigenous cultures throughout the world talk about this. But at some point, we elected to go our own way. We stopped using telepathy. The Tower of Babel, you know that story? Where <laughs> basically, that's when we started having language. And this is when our problems really began. Uh, so we are not that different from them. Uh, they're like, like I said, many accounts of absolutely human looking ETs. Uh, but yeah, so the separation is really an illusion. There are people like us, more alike us than different. Uh, but it's up to us right now to sort of meet them halfway because they're not going to step in and solve all our problems. Uh, they respect our free will, our autonomy. And this is what contactees have been told because they've asked, you know, particularly who, when they're being healed, like, why didn't you heal this? We're like, well, that's karmic. You know, why don't you just step down and, you know, they've healed everyone. We, they say, we can't. You have to solve your own problem. Every parent knows this. Mm -hmm. We've also lost the truth of our own histories. If we were still psychic, we would know what it is. Um, even in our own history, we know that people like to be pioneers. People like to go researching, exploring. We're big explorers. We love to find new places. This is as well as they do. It's in our DNA from them. We are the same people. 
And you came here for a reason. Everybody who came to this planet to stay here all agreed that they were going to start from the beginning and work their way back up. It was a, a great exploration of, 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 of ascending, of learning. This is a hard place to live. Everything you live here, you wear like wisdom. You employ the knowledge that you gain here. That's why we're here. That's why they dropped us off here. So all the different races that uh, you were referring to earlier, did all of them have like a STEM race that they all started from? Or is no. it just that us and the Greys had, uh, had, had the connection where we're the same? It's the construct of this entire universe that we live in. Um, the human genome is straight across the board. We are the template. It, it should have taught you that you are not, not specifically that unique. Our egos are too big, okay? The universe is a physical construct and it has 12 dimensions within it all the way across the universe from point to point to point. Okay. You, where you're sitting are living in a physical construct in the third dimension. It's very gravity heavy and you feel solid, which you are not, you are a light being as well. Okay. But in this construct, third dimension that you're sitting in, you've got 12 dimensions sitting on top of you in the same space. There are dimensional beings higher uh, in higher dimensional space than you that watch you every day. They know you, they interact with you. You're part of their environment. They see you, you just don't see them. A lot of people say, I've got guardian angels. I got news for you. That's an interdimensional being that decided to intervene in your life because they live with you and they, they kind of learn to love us like family and they don't want you to be completely messed up. They do respect the law of karma though. You're here because you want to be here. You chose this life. You came to this planet to be here. You're a being that's eternal. You live multiple lifetimes throughout eternity in different bodies to learn lessons. You come here so that you raise your wisdom levels, your intelligence level. It, you, you, when I said that you wear wisdom and can employ it, I'm dead serious when I say that, that's absolutely true. We all don't come from here. We're entities, conscious entities who all live together in a place called source, okay? Mm -hmm. The all mind of this universe is where we're at. We're with them in source or oh, take your pick. Um, you astrally project out. Your consciousness is who you really are, not your physical brain. All your physical brain is a constructed vehicle for you to be in via your DNA that knows you, that you come to. You, you're actually project out into it at birth, at conception, and you're aware, but you're not talking to your astral mind at all. All you've got going on is your physical brain and what it's learning. You do talk to your astral mind at night. Everybody OBEs at night. Your astral mind does send dreams to you. It's trying to talk to you that way, okay? Because your pineal gland is still operating somewhat. So you hear it talking in your sleep, okay? Yeah, this is stuff Dolly learned from a very early age. She was basically taken to this other planet, which I think you call it the tree world or yeah. Um, yeah. Where she was taught, you know, morality, ethics, and spirituality, for lack of a better word, a lot of science. So this is really interesting stuff coming directly from the ETs, which I have heard from other contactees. There's a very strong spiritual aspect, uh, which is often overlooked and ignored by the nuts and bolts crowd who are just really endeavoring to get this subject accepted and believed on a nuts and bolts angle and sort of don't want to go there where it starts to involve levitation and telekinesis and people moving through walls and even on Bigfoot and out-of-body experiences and miraculous healings. Uh, but that's all part of this. It really is. And I think yes. it behooves everyone to look at the big picture people are beginning to wake up to how uh, important consciousness itself is a part of this. Your, so, yeah, your consciousness is crying to you every day. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. ET's main message, this is the message that I'm bringing, okay? ET's main message is that you must stop letting everything around you in this construct tell you who you are and what you are. You are more than that and you can't know it yet because you can't hear it coming from the universe itself. You need to meditate every day. You need to calm down. You need to get away from negative forces. You need to eat better, sleep, you know, drink better. You need to use your psychic abilities. You have a pineal gland in your mind, in your brain. That's actually the construction of it is just like your eyeball. It's exactly identical to your eyeball. It just doesn't have a lens, but it does transmit from your brain waves out 
everywhere. It can transmit, it can receive. Your physical mind is cut off from it right now because of all your the pollution and the gunk that goes on around you and your belief, your fear, all of it just shuts it down. They want you to wake it up. They want you to hear them. They want you to hear the universe talking. They want you to know what it means to be in truth and love and joy, period. So another kind of side question too, um, from you talking to them, have they explained to you what happens after death? Yeah, we all don't die. We're all, you're a conscious living entity, okay? And this body is just a, a, a vehicle. When this body dies, the body dies, not you, not you at all, okay? This body perishes and you leave it and you move on. When you do, the second you do, you start reintegrating into your memories and everything and who you are. Okay. That's a big deal. Once you pass, you know, your body passes and you'll let go of it. Um, you can actually reach that. Lots of people know that they were born before they're starting to, you know, remember stuff like that. It's starting to become more of a theme uh, to everybody. Consciousness is awakening in people here now. Okay. And ET time is short and ET wants you to hurry up, catch up, you know? Oh yeah. I say coming from somebody who was a, I used to astro travel when I was a kid. Um, that's I love what it. got my experiences to start where I actually started this yes. podcast and started trying to understand this kind of stuff. Okay, perfect. Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. You know, and it was a weird cutoff because it just stopped one day, but I don't really usually remember my dreams. But when I do, they're very, very vivid dreams. And I'm usually yeah. in weird places when those do happen. So that I've always tried to figure out this connection between the spiritual realm and the extraterrestrial realm or whatever you want to happen to call it. When do you think it stopped? How long has it been? Uh, probably in my early twenties and I'm about 28 right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately that you're being bombarded by, uh, transmissions that are blocking you somewhat. And if you use toothpaste, I want you to stop, stop using fluoride because fluoride accumulates in your pineal gland. I'm very particular about that. And I make sure I never use anything with fluoride. I even have water in my house for take it out particularly. Okay. All right. You, if you've got 5G running around you, get away from it. If you're sleeping in an environment full of devices, get away from it. Turn them off. Sleep as far away from it as you can get. You need to be in a no transmitting zone when you sleep at night. You need to give your brain a rest from it because you're constantly competing with it. Your astral mind is like, oh, hell, you know, it's being affected by it as well. It can damage you. We also have a son that's busy doing all kinds of weird crap. So excuse my French, and uh, you're being bombarded by that. And when we have large CMEs now, it kind of interferes with your ability to hear and see and do. But are you meditating? Yes, I actually do. Okay, good. Yeah, just get away from the bad environment. Seriously, get all your electronic stuff away from you, period. And you'll do much better, you know, spend as much time away from it as you can. Yeah. Those are some awesome yeah. words that I, I completely agree. And I've been in the process of doing all that stuff myself. Yeah. And uh, I know that Preston said he has to get wrapping up here. Um, oh. So I guess I'd like to leave with some words of wisdom for the listeners from both you guys, if you guys don't mind uh, bestowing some wisdom on everybody more than you already have, of course. <laughs> um, okay. I'll go first tonight. We take turns. We live in an unbelievably beautiful moment in our existence. We're on the precipice of major things happening to us. And I want everybody to remember that what you know and understand by your own self that you've discovered for yourself is so important. Do not listen to everything I said tonight and believe me outright because you don't gain anything from that. You must research it, you must learn it, you must practice it yourself. It will open you up to the universe itself and whatever's gonna happen to us will become known to you and you'll be very calm and you'll get through it. There's huge, huge, huge hope coming in. And that's my words of wisdom. How about you, Preston? You want to leave us with some words of wisdom for the listeners? Yeah, sure. Have fun. That's why we're here. Leave fear behind. It doesn't, it's not useful. And remember that the universe is safe. We are eternal beings. And garden, save some water and food. Because it's always good to be prepared. <laughs> Those are some great words to live by from both of you guys. And then, of course, for anybody that's interested in reading the book or they would like to look more into either of you guys, uh, would you guys le- like to leave your info for them? Sure. Um, Go ahead, Dolly. <laughs> uh, I only have one little thing. I have a YouTube channel. 
and it has movies of my ET uh, contact and other other things. There's a couple of drones at the end, and it's just some stuff that I leave out there, you know, so you can see that I'm seeing this and it's real. Yeah, just punch in her name on YouTube. YouTube, it should go there, Dolly Saffron. And I also have a YouTube channel. I have a website, PrestonDennett.Weebly.com. I'm all over social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to some degree. <laughs> uh, my books are available on Amazon. Symmetry hit number one. I'm super excited. Uh, this is an important subject for people out there who don't believe in UFOs. Just wait. <laughs> Do your homework. <laughs> yeah, don't. Um, like Dolly says, she's not out here to convince people. Uh, look for yourself, do your own work, look for your own answers, and you'll see that this is all quite real. It's kind of like the supernatural realm where everybody wants to deny it. But as soon as you start bringing up stories, people say, oh, I've had experiences like that. So it's like <laughs> yes. a thing that everybody's had at least a little bit of something. So it's like, why don't you believe it when almost everybody's had an experience? That's right. That's right. But uh, for everybody that's still listening, I, I really hope that you enjoyed the show. And hopefully I can get them both back on for a future episode so we can get a little bit more info on these topics. Uh, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate both you guys coming on. And uh, everybody listen out there, have a great night, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This year, build your credit history with the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. No credit checks to apply. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Chime checking account and 200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply.